Hello everybody, welcome to the On The Line Tennis Podcast episode 12, it's me Jack, I'm my co-host. Gavin, yeah, wow. Yeah, 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, we're basically established now Gav, aren't we? We're almost world famous. Well, 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 world famous, but uh, famous in the known <laughs> tennis club community. Yes, I think, yeah, within our... That's an easier goal to reach before <laughs> uh, up too high. Yeah, within the six people in our team in... Uh, New Orleans, yeah, I think that's where we're famous. That's kind of it, isn't it? Basically, um, how, how how have you been, Gav? You've been good. I've been good, yeah, been good. Just um, yeah, watching some of the the Mets tournament and stuff. Uh, playing a lot of tennis myself. I hate Champions tiebreakers. Lost an absolute heartbreaker. <laughs> four up. Um, that's what you get. For, that's what you get for agreeing to play. It. Start the match mm-hmm. at nine o'clock at night after a long day. Just another reason to dislike the Lever Cup as well, Gav. Yeah, just dislike the Lever Cup <laughs> indoors, um, late night, and uh, yeah, lucky I still have a racket. Some of the swinging in that indoor court. I mean, if those walls were caught, they'd be <laughs> um, Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, apart apart from that, it's been a decent. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's been it's been a, a quiet week relatively, I guess, for tennis. But at the same time, still been a lot going on. A lot of high profile players playing small tournaments, so. Mm-hmm. And there has been a lot of stuff going on in the background. We had the tournament Gav was just talking about there, Mets. We had Nur Sultan in Kazakhstan on, and we had Ostrava as well in the Czech Republic. Uh, and we had the Lever Cup, of course, as well, all going yeah, on at the same time. So favorite turn- That turned out to be a very close tournament, didn't it? I mean, yeah, uh, 14-1 in the end to Europe, I think. high mission ticket price for it, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely bizarre stuff. I've got to say, compared to the last few years, you kind of wonder how the last few years have even been close, to be honest, but mm. there you go. There you so, go. Yeah. so yeah, the plan for today, basically, Gab, is going to just be to run through the tournaments, catch everybody up on what's been going on, give our thoughts on it, uh, controversial or otherwise, and um, we'll kind of just go that way. I don't know, we'll play it by ear, Gav, we'll see what we've got, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's see how long we can last out. Yeah, let's go for it. Um, I think we could just dive straight into Mets then. Yeah. Um, first thing about Mets, which is a shame. I don't know if you saw that, but Songa didn't get to defend his title. Due yeah, to he, was, yeah he was watching some of the matches, but um, yeah, yeah, no, shame that you can't do I don't know what's happened with him at the moment. He seems to be kind of off the grid for a while. He seems to pop up at a 250 on a Monday and he just vanishes. Like, I remember, I think he played Barcelona this year. No, I was watching it. And Did I, he? I yeah, something like that. Um, right. Those events. And I, I didn't, Look at the order play from the night before, and I just put it on like, wow, he's he's back, is he? And then by like yeah. two days gone, and then you don't see him for like six months, and he turns up again. Like, yeah, it's mainly know. injuries, I think. But also, I mean, this his form has been spotty. I don't think he's won two matches in a row in a long, long time. So yeah, that's right. I think he played Gerasimov in Barcelona and just got absolutely torn apart. Like, yeah, sad to watch, but it seems to have been going that way for a while. Um. Yeah. You know, it was sort of like similar to like Thomas Burditch, but like Thomas Burditch is the sort of guy who's still playing well enough to play, you know, on the tour for a good few more years and he retired, but I just don't know what's happening to Songa, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, relatively, if you compared it to Burditch, Songa's um, form has been a lot worse, so yeah. we'll see how much longer he can last. Yeah, it's a shame. So, uh, yeah, we'd like to see him back on court playing well. Obviously, Songa's such a good player, amazing to watch. to watch. Yeah. So, fingers crossed. How about, okay, his absence, you know, his absence was a shame, but at the same time, the quality of Mets was actually really, really high. So Great matches. Yeah. Too bad they lost. Yeah, um, apparently there's the most, there's been, the, the this this version of the draw has had the most members of the top 25 in it since the tournament began. So obviously there's a lot more quality than previous years there in terms of players. Just one match quickly to comment on if anybody did want to watch one of them back. I would recommend watching Basil Ashvili versus Davidovich Fakina. That was just, just in terms of sheer drama, I think it could be one of the matches of the year. It was absolutely amazing. As well, because like the six love first set from uh, Davidovich Fakina, and then Basil Ashvili goes off the court and he gets his heart checked. You know, it's like probably you're thinking, how is he going to continue with that? Like, you had a medical timeout and he was off the court for a heart mm-hmm. check. And, um, I think it was Barry Mullins commentating. He was just by himself, and he literally doesn't know what to say for like ten minutes. So he's like literally saying, "Well, what's going on here?" He doesn't. He doesn't know. It was. It was some great commentary from him. Why? Um, That's like just to pile on the more drama. He actually yeah. like his heart wasn't working properly it was like, either. Yeah, it was like he was worried about <laughs> and then he comes back and he he started playing well again. And the final set took like I think it was was it like an hour and thirty one minutes or something. It was ridiculously it was long. Ridiculously long hour, thirty two yeah. minutes, and then. Vidovic Fakina had the match points, but Vazlash really just 
um, unbelievable hitting there and defence in the match. Yeah, as well. I think I think he had five match points yeah. by my count. How one of them saved backhand. He hit an unbelievable cross court to save one of them. It's like yeah, backhand on the run, and you think, gee, that that's clutch tennis. You know what I mean? Like really yeah. good. And a forehand cross court. I don't know if you saw the forehand cross court, but yeah. it was just yeah, super yeah. good tennis. Um, very Basilash, Billy esque, just going all out. Some of them, day and he was like pumped. You know what I mean? Like yeah. So, I know, I know exactly. I just wonder. I think it was by Monfils. Just yeah, wonder, like, because you look at his game and it's like he's got a huge first serve. And you think indoor tennis is literally made for this guy. You know what I mean? Like, I know, but it's just, he's just not consistent enough. There's no way, he's like, enough. Yeah, he's great when he plays well. He's like so fun to watch. I know, yeah, he's absolutely. Really, the forehand, but I'm it. I mean, it's yeah, yeah, I agree. He genuinely is. I, just to pile on more drama, I don't know if you saw that Davidovich looking. I chucked an underarm serve. Yeah, and on one of the break points, yep. I think he saved like six break points to get to a match tie break as well. So mm. yeah, to get to a um, third set tie break, even it was brilliant. It was really, really good. So yeah, if actually, you've not seen it, go watch it. I wasn't expecting anything. Like I think it was like another long day for me. I'm like, what sort of night session? I'll watch it, and I'm like, six love for this. So this will be done in an hour. And all of a sudden, like three hours later, I'm sitting there like Jesus, like literally getting yeah. edge of my seat, thinking who's gonna win. This <laughs> Brilliant, I know. Uh, yeah, I was uh, out of the blue. I wasn't expecting that at all either. Yeah. So yeah, go watch that. We've not seen it. Mm-hmm. The complete opposite of that, Holger Ruin scored his first double bagel of his uh, career against Zapata Morales. Yeah. I think this is noteworthy because Holger Ruin is 18 years old. It's a big deal to get a double bagel in the ATP Tour against anybody. I don't care if he's a lucky loser. That's it's still a massive deal. He was carrying an injury. You think with these players, if they're injured, you know they have got the option to quit. So it can't have been like a, a really serious injury. You know if he's not mm-hmm. quitting in the match out there. But um, no, been very impressive. You know, building in that US Open form. Uh, first watched him this year, and I think it was uh, Marbella the two fifty. They got a wild card and. You know, he, yeah, he looks good. You know, he does look like a, a real top talent, but it's about how he can develop his game, you know, and how he can sort of build on that. Because I guess it's like sort of like the character that I think we'll touch on later on. You know, the first year, no, when you're new in the tour, I guess nobody knows your game style or game plan, but it's the second year kind of backed up and people know how you're going to play. That's, that's when it gets more difficult, yeah. I guess. But. I think the most impressive thing for me, though, Gav, again, kind of like Alcaraz, Rune seemed more naturally to uh, to lean towards clay quarters, clay courts even, and he's still he's showing he's not just a a one court yeah, pony, if, if you want. Yeah, yeah so uh, he's obviously a very talented guy. Mm. Uh, I think uh, at this stage in his career, it's cramp that's holding him back a little bit. Um, that's what really grown yet. You know that. that could yeah. Be an issue. When he's playing really well, obviously we saw at the US Open when he took the set off Djokovic. He's he, he looks like an, a properly good player. I'm mm. very excited to see where he goes. So that was his second ATP for, uh, quarterfinal against PCB. So yeah, good yeah. stuff already. Right. We'll see where he goes. We've also got Peter Goyacek making a semi final after his run of form at the US Open. Quite noteworthy because he you know he beat players like Gatchinov, Jeron, Huang. He, he, he beat Juan Huang, Antoine Huang twice actually because he beat him in the Quality. qualifying. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 No, I mean, is a strange one. I remember watching him. I think it was uh, was like one of these. I think it might have been Geneva actually in twenty sixteen or something. Just randomly came into my head there. But I remember watching, thinking this guy's a hell of a player. He just seems to have gone off the grid for like the past four or five years. You know, he's yeah, he's. He's just a, a bit of a journeyman, I suppose. I, I don't know. I don't know what part of his game it is that's lacking. Maybe. No, I don't know. I mean, it's a good question because, like, when I watched him, when I first saw him, like, this guy's one hell of a player. You know, even mm-hmm. if he's not going to do contended slams, you know, you'd expect him maybe to be more prevalent in two fifty events or five hundreds. You know, but um, yeah, he just seems to randomly come on again, which is good. Um, I know it's crazy. Making a comeback. It's testament to you know if, when people ask, you know, if why is that guy that's ranked buddy? I know Goyacek's ranked 101. I just looked that up, but you know when people see the number 200s like beating the number 10, 12 in the world, it's like this is the reason the depth in men's tennis is, is unbelievable. Is, yeah, is massive. It just goes and goes, and the challenger level is like you know only a few rungs below ATP level. It's really yeah. not much at all. He's a class player. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's good to see him doing well, especially as a, a sort of journeyman of the sport who. You know, could do with the wins. So mm-hmm. good stuff, Goyacek. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, it continues for him. And then the final, we had PCB against Hercat. Hercat continuing his really good year. You know, it's I think that's his third title now, uh, beating PCB in the final. 
Very interesting match, yeah. I mean, um, you know, PCB, I think it was 4-2 up and it. He got an early break and there was a time early on in that first set where you thought, well, Hercatch just, you know, he's he's not looking good. This could be just be an off day for him. And it was a missed, uh, it wasn't a missed ball, it was a volley that uh, PCB had the option to play, but he left and it landed in. And all of mm-hmm. a sudden, breaks back and um, Hercatch just decided just to put balls in the court rather than over hit. So he just put balls back and was able to sort of out-rally PCB. So good ta- of- good tactic against PCB if you can hold your own definitely yeah, you, you, you know it doesn't that. I mean, that's tough but yeah I mean, he yeah his own and um yeah first set tie break he got it uh seven two and then he got an early break in the second and you think well that's it you know but then PCB breaks straight back and then you know it was a tussle you know to and fro for a bit so it was interesting tactic to see how Hercat started the match trying to go for his big shots then he reined it in. That worked well. He won the tie break. Gets the early break up. You think well he's going to win it from here. You know PCB is going to have to do a hell of a lot to get back into this and he breaks back straight away you know um yeah Harkatch looked a bit funny and this is the thing Harkatch is still um prone to the odds dip even if it's very brief like, in that service game yeah. as well and he just he played some weird off. he played some weird points like weird misses stuff you wouldn't yeah, expect him yeah. to miss um yeah. but you know the guy won the tournament in the end so you can you can afford the odd blip yeah. if he's you know he's obviously still playing really well and he won the doubles as well Yes, he did win the doubles as well, yeah. Good, uh, good weekend for him. He's a class doubles player, he actually is. Yeah. He's won a Masters, of course, in Paris last year in the doubles, so yeah, he can, he can yeah. play. Yeah. So yeah, along the way, he also beat our man Andy, unfortunately. Andy lost exactly the same scoreline as he did previously, 7-6, 7-4 in the tiebreak, I think, and then 6-3 in the second set. So although the scoreline was exactly the same, I would have said... Andy was a bit better in this match, definitely. He was more, he was... more positives to take. You know, he got through Umber, and Umber actually was a chance. He was up and had a chance in that second set to take the the match. You know, he was just too erratic in the big moments of that second set. Murray gets it and then totally flipped it on its head. But, you know, if you look at that from a Murray perspective, two very good wins there on mm-hmm. indoor courts. Um, the body's clearly holding up pretty well. Um, you know, to beat uh, Umber in front of a home crowd shows that he's still got it mentally, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Beating Pospisil, we had a very good win in the first round himself. You know, beating him in straight sets, not a very good result. So, no, I mean, it's positive. I mean, I'll still have my opinion on it. That, you know, if I were him, I'd be looking at playing doubles. But, you know, good on him if he still if he still feels he wants to do singles. You know, he's, he's getting closer. He's definitely getting closer. He was, he, was, he, was, yeah. he was chipping into Highcatch's service games better than he did in Cincinnati. So I, I think mm. everything is getting better. And it says more consistently getting better. That's that he said himself. You know, he he showed everybody he can reach his top level. It's just reaching that top level. Yeah, more it's, more it's often. Playing more tournaments, I guess you're going to see yeah. his level hopefully go up. Yeah, exactly. It's also his um. So against Humber, even that was his first win from a set down since Rotterdam earlier in the year. He yeah. he lost five matches on the bounce after losing the first set. Without winning another set as well, actually. So they were all straight sets. Mm. Obviously, we'd seen Andy fall away after losing the first set five times in a row. Where we, that's what I thought when he lost that first set to Humber. Yeah, he's he's starting to find that sort of fight again as well, which is brilliant to see. Yeah, it was definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, positives for Andy. Brilliant. I think he could be good in San Diego. We're not going to talk too much about San Diego, so I'll just say now he's uh, against Nishikori in the first round in, first round in San Diego. That, yeah. Just, you know, <laughs> Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Tune in. Fifty million short rallies in that one. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> I actually, I, I, I think Andy will be the favourite for that. Gab, I don't know if that's shooting myself in the foot, but it's difficult, isn't it? Because it depends which Nishikori comes up. You could have started the year Nishikori, which was playing not very well for his standards. So you've got the Djokovic first set U.S. Open Nishikori, which is just a nightmare to wear down. Yeah, yeah. So and obviously, good. yeah, he's beat Rublev this year as well. Yeah, um, in the Olympics, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, 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 with Nishikori, I always feel like, how's, you know, there's two different versions of him now. You've got the injured Nishikori or the one that doesn't have the confidence and gets down in himself whenever he loses a point, and you've got the inspired Nishikori that gets to everything, makes tons of uh, unbelievable balls, and, you know, he's, he's got that confidence. I think it all depends on confidence for Nishikori. Um, yeah. There's been times when he's, like, I remember Roland Garros against Ferev where he just got absolutely floored, you know what I mean? Yes, yeah, he, he, he was, he was barely so winning down. a point. He was looking so down after, like, midway through the first set in that match, and you've got me against Djokovic, where he's so pumped up. So. Yeah, 
Bit, better well, matchup for him, though. Yeah, it's a better matchup for, for Murray. I mean, Nishikori's not going to blast through him. You know, he, he knows he knows what he's going to get. He'll get a nice ball to hit during the rallies. He'll have more time in the ball. Nishikori doesn't hit it particularly flat anyway on the mm-hmm. forehand side. So, yeah, I think it's a good chance for Murray, but it could be a tough one in terms of just putting oh, Nishikori down. Definitely. I just think in terms of his return form, I would fancy. And how he was serving, I think Nishikori won't have as many chances as Andy will. That's, that's my feeling. But, you know, obviously, it'll be, it should be super tough. Mm. So I'll tune into it and hopefully get a good match at the very least. Yeah. Right, that's enough about Mets, I think. We'll move on to Nur Sultan now. So Nur Sultan, Sunwoo Kwon beat James Duckworth in the final. Two very surprising finalists. Yep. I'll touch on the final first. Kwon is only 23 years old, so actually he's... Still a bit of an up-and-comer, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, he really impressed me this week. He He's only 5'9 in height, but he, he served so well. At the end of the, his match against Bublik in the, the semi-finals, Bublik said, have you ever served like this? Like Just like totally stunned by him. Just a very Bublik thing to say, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Bob was kind of bashful about it. But seriously, he's like serving over 200k like Bro, at 5'9. For a guy, for a guy who returns super well, and I, I thought that that was all he did basically, sort of Schwartzman style. He served so well, so if he can keep serving like that, I think he's a top thirty player. To be honest, like yeah, he's man. he's seriously good. He's number fifty seven now, Gav. So. You'd hope a title would give him more confidence to just kind of have that belief in big moments and matches. You know, when he plays the better guys, he, he should believe that he could um, cause upsets and stuff. But yeah, I mean, I watched some of the highlights of the final. Didn't catch the whole tournament. Very impressed, especially the cross-court backhand, you know, he was able to mm-hmm. defend off it very well, but also attack as well, so he's got that balance, you know, he, he had very, yeah. showed very good rally tempo in terms of knowing when to attack, but also knowing when to stay in the rallies, you know, and yeah, yeah. hard, and um, yeah. you know, winning, winning against Duckworth, straight sets in, a, in your first final, and it's the first final for both of them, you expect it to be a wee bit more cagey, but you know, if you're winning the straight sets, it's very impressive. I mean, Duckworth beat... Um, he beat the defending champion, he beat home favourite Kukushkin, he beat Kukanovic, he beat Avashka, mm. all amazing players. Like, yeah. so that, that, I mean, maybe Kukushkin a little bit off form, but other than that, like, that's that's some really good wins. Yeah, Avashka's um, one of the yeah. players, like the whole US hardcore swing, isn't he? I mean, yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think he was, I think he won all of them in straight sets as well. So, yeah. uh, seriously good player. Uh, interestingly, actually, Gav, like, uh, Duckworth did have three set points in the first set. Um, oh, that can play in your mind, can't it? Yeah, I think one of them was saved. So Duckworth had a point in his own serve, six five in the tiebreak, two hundred twenty one kilometers an hour down the tee, and Colin yeah. just like sent it straight back to his feet. So there you go. I mean, like the guy can return amazingly well. So for him to serve like that as well, yeah, I'm impressed. I yeah. think I think he's he's going places for sure. Interesting, you said that about the backhand cross court actually, Gav, because. Against Lajevic, he was down 5-2, and then there was a set point, I think, 5-4. Mm. Lajevic comes in off the back of a half-decent approach. Quan just, like, blasts it cross-court. Yeah, so that shot, no, obviously... It's, it's is... funny, but whenever I watch a player, and I've not seen him that much, I've not seen Quan that much, I've seen him a wee bit, but the first thing I look at is how well they hit the backhand. Because loads mm-hmm. of players can hit good serve forehand, but not many have got, like, a legitimate... Great backhand. No, I mean a weapon, yeah, of a backhand. Yeah, yeah. A weapon of a back. That's better way to put it. Yeah, yeah a weapon of a yeah. backhand. And um no, I was just very impressed because it looked very so it looked like it wasn't gonna break down. You know, it looked so the swing looked compact, it looked like the sort of thing you could repeat again and again and again in the long rallies. And then you, if you've got the ability to attack off that as well as defend, well you're in a good spot, aren't you? Definitely. Yeah, that, that I think that's that's my gut feeling watching him from the baseline. He looks like he could play, you know, you can beat anybody from the baseline. Like yeah, that's how good I think it looks. Yeah, yeah. so I, better Gilles Simon. That sounds harsh, but you know, Gilles Simon <laughs> can repeat everything, but he's not got the power. It's like kind of like yeah, like that. You know what I mean? I don't yeah, want yeah. to see Gilles Simon too much. I think I dissed him last week as well. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, uh, you love Simon and Gav. It's fine. I, like... I do. I watch him against the Virginia in uh, Mets, and I'm thinking this is going three hours plus. And it, it yeah, you know what I mean? I was like, it does what he, he says in the tin, and the gap is just. I'd 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 love him to be winning matches regularly again. I, I really like watching him. I think he's an amazing player. Mm. So think yeah. But yeah, I I agree with you, Quan has got a bit of certainly the movement is there and he, yep. he doesn't look like either of his wings are gonna break down that easily to be honest. So yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting to see how far he can get. 
this season, definitely him, if he keeps this form up, Gav. Mm-hmm. The other thing I think that was worth talking about this this tournament was uh, Karatsev losing yeah. another match. He lost to Rusevori. I mean, Rusevori's a good player, yeah. Um, but uh, Karatsev's form is really, it's not totally like falling off a cliff, but it's certainly dipped because the first six events of the year, 17-5 in terms of win-losses and the last 11 events he's played, he's now 9-11. So it's just a total... A flip since Belgrade well, getting to the happened. final in Belgrade. The unknown, the unknown quantity stuff. I think I mentioned it earlier. You know, with Rune, it's like, well, I guess when guys come on from nowhere, like almost nowhere, you think, well, a lot of the senior players don't know how he plays. You know, a lot of them don't know the patterns of play that he likes to use, etc. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's it's the same in other sports as well. But when you get to your second year of playing, you know, a lot of people have had time to work you out. You know, and if, mm-hmm. if there's more video footage of you out there. You know, you can analyze more. Um, I'm not worried about him because you know if you look at the the game he's got, he's got the firepower. I mean, yeah, he hit fifty winners against Schwartzman and the Australian Open. You know, it's, that's like you're not going to be losing often if you've got that many uh, weapons in your game. You might be going through a slump at the moment, but I think it's understandable. You've got to remember. I mean, there's a big change in his life as well. There's more scrutiny on him, more pressure on him. He's probably not used to being a top seed at two fifty. You know, the top seed actually. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you know. I can sort of understand it. I mean, if he's not used to that pressure, fair enough. Yeah. I to to be honest, Gav, I see him settling into a sort of Basil Ash Philly role where, you know, he has the firepower to beat people on his day, but really sort of top thirty player at most for me. Yeah. He is obviously he's an amazing player. I just I don't know. I I think the amount of losses he's racking up is telling. I think probably. 25, I think top 25, or maybe top 20 if he gets a yeah. good run. But yeah, I don't see him being top 10. Um, but I, yeah, I think top 25 is easily doable, even top 20 is doable. I mean, you see the consistency um, from the top guys, but there's also guys like Shapovalov that aren't as consistent at a top 10, so it's like, yeah, swings and roundabouts, really. Yeah, exactly. That's true. So yeah, I don't think Karatsev fans have, have to totally worry yet. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I'd like to see him pick up his form a little bit because some of the losses he's sustaining, that it can't keep going on like that before it has an effect, basically, is what I'm saying. So, fingers crossed for him. But yeah, there wasn't too much more that went on, really. I think the only other thing I would say is go watch Bublik's hot shot against Quan uh, at the start of the second set to break. That was absolutely brilliant. Apart from that, don't have much else, really. We can move on to the Estrava Open. Uh, in the Czech Republic, and there, Maria Sakari played. Annette Kontovit was beaten by Annette Kontovit in straight sets. Kontovit won all her matches in straight sets. The whole tournament, she looks really good actually. The whole tournament, and this what is now. Going. Yeah, and she did look yeah. like the sort of player that you know she could put a good run together. Um, but then you'd set up yeah. so many players on the WTA tour. But yeah, no, she looked like um player that's kind of got that ability to. Certainly, win more reg- tournaments more regularly. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, she's always it, in there. You know, but you know, it's just uh, over the line, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, well, exactly. And it had been a while. I think it had been four years since her last title a month ago, and all of a sudden she's now won two titles within the last month. So she's obviously just found that uh, form to to make a title run really recently. It was a two fifty last month. It was a five hundred this month. She's obviously in a a good run of form. She beat Kvitova, she beat Benchik, she beat Badosa, she beat Sersteja even. Like, all of those players are brilliant, obviously. You know, Benchik uh, in particular on a hard court, that's really impressive. Um, and it was all in straight sets. So she's playing brilliantly. Against Sakari, just to give you an idea, Sakari was serving like amazingly the whole week, particularly against Ostapenko. I think she lost seven points on serve the whole match. In this match, or sorry, um, in the in all her matches before the final, she won seventy three percent of her service points. In the final, she won fifty six percent of her service points. Wow. Um. Yeah, that's a massive, massive jump. Huge so, number. Yeah, exactly. And it's just it was down to how many balls Contevit was getting back in the court deep. I, I don't know if she deals with that kick serve that Sakari hits, um, better than most. Basically, or if it's she, she just did a bit, bit of research and where Sakari likes to serve, but she, she just seemed to be in a chance basically in every point. One thing I'd say about Sakari is she plays quite a predictable game. 
Um, yeah, yeah. It's not. A, I'm not. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, Gav. Because like, power, don't you? But it's like it's sort of like Hashinov in a way, isn't it? Like it's like you know what's coming, but you you know yeah. there's a lot of power, but you know if you can guess like or predict a game plan, you can deal with yeah. it. You know what I mean? If you defend decently, you know what I mean. Yeah. What what one thing I would say about her backhand, for example, she barely ever hits it down the line. Um, she pretty much always hits it cross court, and I mean, contribute was always there. I don't know if she knew that in particular, or if she's just a good anticipator. Um, but we did see Sakari start to hit it down the line in an effort to sort of try and tackle Contevi's game. So she was obviously struggling against her. She was a little bit earlier doing in the the first set, but I wouldn't put that down to nerves. It was just how many balls were coming back, and yeah. so you know, it's also good to see Sakari not playing nervously in a big match. Which well, obviously after the US Open is that's that, yeah, that was a I mean a strong word to say disaster, but it probably was from her point of view, wasn't it? I mean, a real yeah. chance to win a slam, and we seen it Roland Garros as well when she had the match points. Um, yeah, yeah. So you never want to see a player that's aggressive like go into their shell. You know, you always want to see yeah. them play their best in the big moments, and um, yeah, make reaching a final is obviously very positive, and that that will just lead to to more good results for the confidence you were built up yeah. from that. You know. That that was that was her um so that was, she was playing she had played nine semifinals before yeah, that in a row yeah after that. that she'd lost yeah yeah so so that that was her first one for a long time getting to a final so it was, uh, she needed that definitely she actually said Gav about that Roland Garros semifinal loss and when she had the match point and stuff in the U.S. Open that affected her mentally because she came yeah. into that match thinking I lost an opportunity there I don't want to lose mean, this I'm opportunity too it's always going to have a Gonna have an effect, you know that match. A match of that just won't go away easily when you've had that chance and opportunity. I mean, look at McEnroe after the '84 uh, French Open final. He's still asleep the nights about it. He said he still thinks yeah. about it, and that's like so many years later. Um, I know. Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. I mean, I don't know they'll get to that level, but you never know. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Well, I, I think I think even a, a getting to the final of a 500 is a big deal for her. Um, yeah, it's so. a good result, isn't it? You can't complain. Yeah. yeah. A lot of good players in the women's game, a lot of depth, you know, she's going to get over yeah. the line eventually. Yeah, I agree. And she played fantastically the whole week. She was really good in particular against Svontek, actually. Looked like the better player, to be honest, yeah. from start to finish and quite difficult to do against a player like Svontek. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, especially at Islam, hopefully it sort of comes together for her at some point. Yep. So, yeah, one other thing to add before we stop talking about the Estrada Open. Sakari versus Ostapenko. There was a bit of drama. I know you viewers like to hear a bit of the dramas that are going on in the tours. So, I mean, it wasn't mental, but it is just quite interesting to see that Ostapenko has a bit of a running record of this. Basically, on the change of ends, um, I mean, this will be bleeped out, but on the, cha- on the change of ends, so they said under a breath to Sakari, you're seriously a fing bitch. The umpire didn't hear it. Like it was literally just like straight up as bad as that. Uh, Sakari was like, "Are you kidding? Like she can't say that to the umpire." The umpire was like, "Didn't hear it. Sorry." So they just kept playing. She looked raging at her. Ostapenko was all snake eyes at her and stuff like that. Like it was bad. But then yeah. when the match ended, Ostapenko was like, "I hope you don't hate me. Sorry." Just basically admitting, you know, she's got a temper. And she says stuff she doesn't mean. Fair enough. But... I mean, again, these players are under high pressure situations. They they probably say stuff that you wouldn't want to hear. But then people do that in everyday life as well when they're frustrated. You know, people get yeah, that... high horse about this a lot. But then... It's still a bit personal, is all I would personal. say. Yeah, it's personal, and I get that, and it's not good. Don't get me wrong, but you know, I'm sure, you know, people have said stuff like that in arguments and stuff, and they don't really mean it. Sticky at the moment, thing. You know, it's yeah. I don't know. That's just my opinion on it. Relax a wee bit. Um, yeah. As long as he apologised and didn't mean it, probably didn't. Probably meant it at the time, but didn't mean it afterwards. You know, just the frustration of a match. I mean, I've I've sworn all over a tennis court and battered a racket. Yeah, but I, I mean, it. Gav, I have as well. But I've never, you know, called my opponent X, Y, and Z. No, you I've, know. I've not either. But I don't know. How would you react in that situation? Millions of people are watching you, and you're not playing your best. It's, I, I, I like to. Have some sympathy for these. Actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose if you a better perspective, that's true. Yeah. If you're in that sort of situation, then fair enough. Yeah. Still, still, it's not uh, ideal. No, it's not, it's, not. <laughs> it's not ideal. No, it was quite funny to watch. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it was quite entertaining, to be fair. But poor Sackley, just like suck it up. Unfortunately, like <laughs> umpire didn't hear hear her, so that's that. I'm afraid. Should we move on to the Lever Cup? 
Yeah, let's have a rant about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, well, you've seen the <laughs> scoreline. It's like was it fourteen one? I mean, mm-hmm. and, and also from a first from a fans' point of view, it's it's not acceptable on the Sunday of a Labour Cup to just have one match and that's it. Doubles champions tiebreak match. You know, we're charging so much money for tickets, and you know they don't even get. It's not like Davis Cup where they, they can sometimes play the dead rubbers to give the fans something to watch. You didn't do that. Um, Perio shouldn't have been playing. You know, why is a guy who's only won seven matches all year playing? For me, mm-hmm. that's a key, like, it's an illegitimate uh, competition for me because you've got to have quotas or criteria to get into the tournament. He's clearly just been picked to, to sell tickets, you know, and that's the problem with it. From my point of view as a tennis fan, I want to see the best players playing. You know, why wasn't Lloyd Harris picked? He's had a great season. Mm-hmm. Sebastian Corda, why wasn't he picked? You know, Kyrgios actually came out, you know, during the tournament, yeah, it's, saying, it's you know, the last one you talk about negativity. Yeah. I mean, exactly. For me, it's just it, it's not a good enough format. They need to look at it. I would do it sort sort of similar to an NBA draft where you've got two captains and you've got yeah. you've got like right, you can make bargain marking with your captains. You decide. I don't know how you decide it, but let's make it like you've got top ten players or maybe four of the top ten in each side can qualify. And then you've got captain's pick or wild card pick or draft system. There needs to be a format like that because you can't, yeah. it's not acceptable really saying, you know, Nick Kedros has won seven matches all year. We've got a guy in Lloyd Harris who's reached a 500 final, who's had a great season. Not being yeah. picked. I mean, it's just, for me, it's not acceptable. Um, they keep, for me, they try too hard with it as well. You know, Roger turns up and it just seemed a wee bit like a federal loving, really. You know, no offense mm-hmm. to, to Roger fans out there, but he turns up and. You know, for me, it just sort of like didn't detract away from the from the competition, but it's sort of like you know the whole point is if you want to grow the game, it's going to be for after Federer and Nadal, Djokovic have retired. You know, the game mm-hmm. needs to survive. You know, you need to be putting more of a spotlight on the players that are playing instead of just constantly cutting to Federer and the crowd and talking about Roger. Um, and I get it's his tournament, but as I've said before. If you want to honour Rod Laver, why don't you make more of a thing in the Davis Cup? You know, the thing that Rod Laver prized more than a Grand Slam, or certainly as much as a Grand Slam was playing in the Davis Cup at that time. Um, and I've been reading his book, and he talks about the importance of the Davis Cup, those squads with Harry Hopman and all that. Um, being picked for the team for the first time, how a big deal that was. Even just training with the team for the first time. Um, and, you I know, know nobody, nobody could give a toss nowadays. Nobody like, gives a toss nowadays. Like, instead yeah. of doing a Laver Cup, just, just do the Davis Cup properly, you know. It's not yeah. a hard solution for me. They seem to overcomplicate it. And then in terms of the location, Europe versus the world, yeah, it seems for the Labour Cup, the world's only America. It's only been held in America yeah. when the world have held it. You know, Chicago and Boston. I mean, yeah. I, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if it's held in New York next time. We ran over, apart from that, it's a great term. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. I, 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 one thing I would add, just to put some more fuel on the fire, I really don't like the match tie breaks. Oh, I don't yeah, see yeah. the point. I, I think don't, I don't know why they added the head to heads. That's a proper pet peeve of mine. It makes zero sense. I think the game's becoming less physical and more sanitised. You know, we see more players complaining about best of five sets and all that, and we see mm-hmm. people not wanting best of five sets. We've seen doubles and grand slams, men's doubles. They don't play best of five in all the slams. You know, that's ridiculous. I'm all, I'm all for best of five. Best of five every day. Get rid of this stupid, uh, what's it called? Um, no ad scoring, you know, a stupid deciding point. I can't stand that either. I mean, that's not yeah. proper tennis. Yeah, they keep. I think the game's been becoming more and more sanitised. A wee bit like football, it's becoming a wee bit soft. You know, this mm-hmm. is meant to be a physical sport. Grand Slam events, the whole point of them is that they're so special to win. If you're just having best of three in slams, which they want, some people want, um, you're sanitising the sport. You're, you're taking away what makes a Grand Slam different from a tour event. Best of five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I agree. Um, I mean, it's I definitely agree. Okay. I, I don't know where the game's going to go, but uh, that's worrying if they lose best of five. Yeah. I mean, all the best matches I can think of are best of five, and that's, yeah, that's yeah. always going to be the case, definitely. On the men's side, at least, anyway, obviously. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I best of five every day. I agree. Either way, though, yeah, um, what we were saying, match tie breaks. <laughs> I can't, yeah, I agree, though. Yeah, yeah. You're changing the fans as well. The fans want to see a match. You know, if it's one set, I would say it's been two tie break sets. They want to see another set. They don't want to see a stupid thing to yeah. You know? Yeah. I, mean, I definitely agree. It's a bloody coin toss as well. Right, these fans like, are paying 500 quid a, a pop for tickets. Some of them, you know, at least give them a proper proper match. Yeah, I agree. You know? Uh, even more controversy to add, Gav, as well, on top of that. Quite interesting because I think this is the first time that I've heard any player 
really talk about it um, in public. At this point in the, the tournament where Zverev, I think, had said something like they're not going to win another point, which was the case, and credit to him. <laughs> but um, I think McEnroe overheard it and he was like, basically like uh, saying it to the rest of the t- team world, you know, he said that, yeah, yeah, he said, oh, we're, we're not going to win another point. And then it was like, oh. And then Opelka chimed in with, oh, well, he also said he's innocent. And uh, McEnroe said, oh, good point. The whole, the whole thing with the tournament, remember beforehand they were blocking people on social media that had shared articles of this very abuse thing, and then you got Mary Carrillo resigning from her role. I mean, this is the problem when you've got a, a thing where you weren't there and you didn't witness the incident. You've got a lot of accusations going about, going about and, um, you know, it's very difficult because you, you can't really make any comments on it because you weren't there, and you're purely going in speculation. All you can say is that... Um, Obviously, the violence that he's accused of towards his partners, you know, totally unacceptable and it's shocking and it's horrific. But on the same side, you, you can't, you can't really. It's not that you can't criticise him, but you weren't there. You know, it's very you can't really take a side in terms of you not you don't know the facts. You'd be inclined maybe to believe her because of what she's saying, but then equally, you know, there's a lot of stuff about her not going to the police and stuff. I can't for sure say that he's innocent or guilty. You just can't mm-hmm. if you weren't there. That's the problem, isn't it? And it's always going to create this minefield where some will be on one side, some will be on the other. Some mm-hmm. will be like me saying, we, I cannot 100% say what he's innocent or guilty, so it's very difficult to take a judgment on it. You know, I yeah, yeah. Think about that. I think the interesting thing about Apelka saying it is though that everybody has an opinion on it, and I think a lot of people haven't voiced that opinion because, mm-hmm. quite frankly, they've not been asked. Uh, I don't. Yeah. There's there's a lot of people who. I guess there will be some like myself that'll be like, well, I can't really comment on this, and there'll be some that don't want to comment, and there'll be some that will obviously have a strong view of it in, on one way or the other. Um, it's a very difficult thing. I don't know how they're going to deal with it really because it's. Um... Yeah. Well, I was going to say Mary Carrillo uh, resigned because she feels as though the Labour Cup whitewashed it basically well, you know there's, there's yeah I mean, they're blocking people on social media sharing the story so they, they did i mean they didn't handle that well at all really yeah you question not this isn't because Zverev um he might be innocent you can question what it was smart from them playing him because they should yeah. have known that that was always going to be a possibility mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah i agree you know mm-hmm. and they should have thought of a plan to to deal with it and or address the accusation head on what they've ended up doing is they've ended up picking him um, and, it, and it's ended up kind of going, being thrown back in their face because they've not addressed it. They've, they've almost done it behind a social media account. They've pretended that it doesn't exist. They've yeah. tried to silence those that are, you know, obviously showing the article saying that it does exist. They're trying to sweep it under the carpet and just forget about it, which is really not a smart tactic to use because people are not stupid. I mean, they're going to see that news. Um, they're going to know that what's happened anyway. Um, so they should have either not picked him or thought of a plan to, to, to release something or say something because you can't just not address it because it's an elephant in the room. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's been dealt with like that for like that the last year almost by, yeah. most, by most bodies. That's the thing. And yeah, it's, yeah, I think it's all coming to a head, to be honest, Gav, with people talking about it in public now and stuff. Oh, it really is going to be an absolute mess for for the Labour Cup and for people to, to be questioned about, you know, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a huge fallout by it as well. I don't think yeah. it's not going to stay in the in the darkness, as it were. It's, it's all going to come to a head. I think you're right. Um, yeah. Whether he release more of a statement on it or not, I think he's going to be forced to eventually because I think his sponsors are going to start questioning things that they hadn't already questioned because the more it gets like sort of brought up like this and um, the more nothing is said, I think the sponsors are going to be more and more worried about their reputation either. He has been, yeah. he has said, I've left it to my legal team, but he himself has not really, it's not, he's not been very in terms, he's not been very, what's the word, not been very open about addressing the actual allegations himself. He just said, I didn't do it. My legal team's handling it pretty much go away, which is not really going to cut the mustard for a lot of people. No, not at all. It's it's looking like he's his back's a bit against the wall in some ways. I, I don't whether he'll say anything about it again. It almost seems unlikely, but certainly the ATP he have to deal with it better. He will still be questioned about it. That's the thing from yeah. his point of view. It's whether he's to give himself less grief or less make people stop asking about it. But if he just releases a definitive statement about addressing each thing individually, yeah, decided 
the argument, but it is very difficult for people because they weren't there. But it's serious allegations that you can't ignore. So it's kind of yeah, it's difficult for to comment on. Um, well, for for me, Gav, personally, and you know, obviously, this is just my opinion, but reading the story that August Sharipova uh, released through Ben Rothenberg, it looks damning for yeah, me. And it's nothing, okay, it's nothing short of horrific. What, what, yeah, exactly, right? exactly. And it's, and it, not, it's not. Um, it doesn't shy away from the detail of the incident. You know, it's very yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah, and there's there's there's, well. there's um, hard the text and stuff. It's all a bit elaborate. If it was a lie, basically, it seems well, yeah, unlikely. It's, it's very difficult because you do sort of run the risk of. Um, it's difficult saying you don't have an opinion on it, right? Because obviously, what he, what the allegations are are horrific, but equally, it's um, innocent until proven guilty. The problem is, unless you want there, can you prove it? And the answer to that is probably no. But it, is, it is no, yeah. And there's yeah, a good reason why she's not went to the police, because there's not been anybody to support her, well, her nobody claims. Well, if nobody says yeah. they can't do anything, can they? That's the problem. Yeah. Um, and also, she might not be pressing... I mean, there's messages and stuff. There might be ways of possibly piecing together a story, but I can understand why some victims of abuse wouldn't go to the the police. They don't want to string it out. They don't want to take it any further. Yeah. She just wanted to get her story out there for other women. I think is yeah. what she said. So, I mean, that makes a bit of sense, definitely. Absolutely. For me, so take somebody like Basil Ashvilly. I was talking about this the other day, who also had a domestic abuse allegation against him. Oh. His abuse allegation is just that and there hasn't been a story to, uh, afterwards there hasn't been anything really apart from uh, the allegation made for me that is not enough for me to say okay this guy you know could be in the wrong it's that, just that, that is the problem because um again it's it's not being there's the problem and not knowing what exactly happened from the you know seeing it or being a witness to it um yeah that's probably the problem for every trial or whatever but it, it's very difficult and you end up treading into murky water um, because you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be saying something that you know might not be the case. And um, yeah, opinions are obviously opinions, but it is very difficult because you put yourself in an awkward situation as well. By you know, if anyone a player voices it and it turns out to be the wrong thing, well, I suppose yeah. But for, well, for for me, unless Zverev does doesn't if Zverev doesn't do anything to clear it up, then for me, he's probably it leaves a sour taste in my mouth watching well, it. Does, say it that, does, I'll say that much. He's not handled it well from his yeah, point of view. Yeah, ex- exactly. Well exactly. From the governing body's point of view, it's not been handled well from anyone's point of view, really. Yeah, mm-hmm. so for, for me, he has to do something else he before does. I can... Whether he will or not, I don't think he's the type that's going to backtrack. He doesn't seem like that anyway, does he? He seems very no. self-assured. <laughs> I don't think he's the that's going to admit to... I was going to say, I think... Badly. Well, I think if he's not admitting to it, that also doesn't... Not, not admitting to it, sorry, but not... Addressing it, Gav, that doesn't look good either. Well, is my look, point. It doesn't look good from his point of view. It doesn't look good from the ATP Tour's point of view. Uh, so it's not really, it's not looking good from any point of view, anyway. Yeah. Really. The only good so, thing is that more, more people are aware of the allegations that wouldn't have been aware yeah. beforehand because of the story. And that's the one positive that you can get out of it. Yeah, but, and that also that also makes me think, Gav, that it, it's that also makes me think it's going to come to a head. Yeah, but if the problem is if he doesn't do anything about it, then People can know the allegations, but we're not actually going to get to the bottom of it. The very crux of it, are we? That, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I mean, I, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. I don't think it can keep going on no, it, perpetually, it can, it um, being whitewashed like this, yeah, certainly it's, ignored at yeah, least. It's, it's being brushed under the carpet, and the Labour Cup blocking people from viewing an account because they've tweeted what are true allegations in terms of the fact that they have been made, mm-hmm. um, and Labour Cup sweeping it under the carpet. That's not a great look for the tournament either. Not at all. Yeah, they, it, it, like, they, they can't, you know, they, they were made, as you say, exactly, so they can't just be ignored. The and grow the game, and then one of your big assets or so-called assets for, for doing that mm. is doing that. It's not exactly not exactly going to make more people inclined to, to switch on and watch it, are they? Yeah, yeah, I agree, exactly. Have we got anything else to talk about 
in the Lever Cup actually before we move on? Is that, was that really, it? Yeah. I think um, it's not acceptable for fans to be shortchanged in a, what is meant to be a big tournament and charge a lot of money to just watch one doubles match. That's decided the time we're not going to play anymore. That That's not good enough for me. Um, yeah, it's a shocking third day. <laughs> the whole thing needs to be restructured in terms of, in terms of qualification criteria and in terms of caps picks. Do away with the Europe and mm-hmm. you know, world scenario that just doesn't make well fuck mental else it doesn't make team world look good does it now i know you've got yeah, one yeah. point everyone's gonna say oh, only all the best players are european it's not doing it a favor and it's different in the Ryder cup because the Ryder cup the specific qualification processes and it's and it's also um the way it's been done historically as well you know it's got that history behind it to still kind of have that significance and yeah both sides have had good players in, in both teams um but the problem with with labor cup i think is that you're seeing a new event which is not quite getting off the ground and it needs to it needs to have a proper captain's pick i think and we need to do away with the nationalities it doesn't really uh, after this year no way is that going to continue again that no, was just it's been a bit of a disaster for them all around hasn't it not with the uh-huh. social media stuff but also yeah. holding in the tournament the same weekend as the Ryder cup is monumental stupidity i know yeah <laughs> yeah more Americans will watch golf and tennis that's just the way the Ryder cup's a more established event as well for neutral for people looking to watch sport a disaster all round. <laughs> disaster all round. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, oh. yeah. Oh my god. Um. Yeah. Hopefully they do something better next year. Yeah. Maybe they'll just scrap it. None of Who knows? Going the game very quickly, but they're hosting it in the O2 in London next year. That's just held the World Tour finals for ten years. You know? Are they? Yeah, they're holding it at the O2 Arena in London. Yeah. All right. Jesus. Yeah. I... Again, <laughs> like, I mean, you want to be a tennis fan in that part of the world? You're seeing tennis every year compared to some other parts of the world that get none. Um. I know, yeah, privileged um, cities, definitely, I'd say that much. Ran over, and uh, I love the River Cup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you covered yourself with that gap. Yeah. I'll, I'll cut out the last 20 minutes and just say, uh, cut to that. <laughs> yeah, the only other thing I've got to cover, Gav, is just a few of the coaches that have split with their players. I'm sure everybody has heard that Andrew Richardson has been sacked that's too harsh um, has split with uh, Emma Raducanu even I'm not surprised um, about that really um, yeah I think it's a I wouldn't say it's a good it's never good for somebody to lose a job but I think from her point of view if you look at it you need a coach that's got more experience of the tour yes you know, and I think that's just the way of it you know um, yeah I think most most tennis fans will be fully aware a smart that, that, move career wise but it's not yeah. a nice thing to happen but I guess yeah. for the sake of a career maybe it's justified it's you know it's totally justified i think there's a lot unfortunately for the passing tennis fan who watched the us open that can happen obviously you know how many people were there in britain watching the us open certainly not all of them watch tennis year in year out so you know for for them to see tabloids covering it like oh you know emma raducanu just won the us open and a couple weeks later she sacks Andrew Richardson, that's not the case at all. It's an elite sport. No, this is their career here. I mean, it's their life. I mean, you need to do what's best for them. I mean, it's it's an individual sport as well, you know. Um, He he doesn't have the experience. He's he's not. He's he's tabloid. Simple as that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's nonsense. I mean, people people get annoyed at that fucking nonsense. I know exactly. Well, that yeah. I I, I want in case any of our listeners are thinking that, stop thinking that because it's just it is that, yeah it's yeah nonsense. it it is nonsense exactly. I, this is the sort of stuff that's going to start happening to her, and I've, I knew it would well, happen. It's, 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 it's like, like I mean, it's the British press, isn't it? I mean, that, that's yeah, the problem. Most of them, just especially that Yeah, I was going to say it properly riles me up because it's such a shame. I just I I don't want her to sort of fall from grace sort of well, thing I just people writing these articles shouldn't be writing about the sport there's plenty of people that want to write about the sport and generally know about the sport these people are just doing it for a quick view you know yeah. to get so many views but they ran over on that as well a lot of rants yeah I know yeah yeah yeah. a lot to rant about isn't there Gav yeah, uh, well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. the other, other couple of players as well that split with their coaches Simona Halep split with Dan Cahill that must have been a long time actually I think so that, that's I think not Maybe the last about that. I think four or five years. I think I read some of the travel might have been the issue with that. You know, he and not wanting to travel as much. It's fair enough. I mean, you totally right. get that. It's not a, not like a. I'm getting rid of you. I think it's more a mutual consent thing. Uh, he wants to go, but um, he's obviously yeah. a busy guy. I don't know. He's you know, there's an absolute ton of the yeah, sport. He so he does. Yeah, yeah. he's like so, all over the place. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it's just yeah, exactly scheduling. I think that makes a bit of sense. Yeah. Um. 
I'd say I think Halep will be looking for a new perspective as well after well, being injured for a while. And... Shigori would have done this, not um, advocating him to get rid of some coaching panel, but him and Michael Chang are obviously very close. But um, well, he's got Mourinho in his team there as well, he know? does. But you know, I just think you know, and a fresh voice maybe earlier on might have helped. I think when Sampras, for example, I've read of the quick beat Sampras when he got rid of Anaco and as his coach, he just said I needed a fresh voice, I needed some fresh motivation. Um, mm-hmm. Surprise more coaches sometimes don't do that, but yeah, 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 it was an odd one, but yeah, it probably makes sense given yeah. uh, Cahill's um professional career, certainly. Mm-hmm. And then Christian Garn as well split with Franco Davin. Mm-hmm. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if that was on the back of his 6 1 or 6 love 6 1 loss to Norbert Gombos in the Davis yeah. Cup. Yeah, I know, Schwartzman lost in the Davis Cup as well, it's like the world number 800. Did he? Yeah, three, wow, three, three, yeah. Oh my God! Um, no, Christian Garn, like he's another one that could have been picked for Team World in the Labour Cup that wasn't that had a good season. Remember what he did in Madrid? So, and he's won so yeah. much in the South American play. And I know a lot of people don't give him the credit for that because it's not televised in prime as much. You know, a lot of these events in like the early part, like the March play court season, I call it, because it's South American. All these different events which aren't as televised as as freely, and he's he's dominated them in the past. Um, he's certainly a very underrated player. Yeah, I think he's got four titles he uh, currently. Yeah, he, could easily, he could have easily walked into that team world team, I can tell you that much. I think he's got all of them like in his ranking points at the moment as well. Obviously the freeze helps with that, but nonetheless, you know, they're all been very recently he's, you know, yeah, super player. Well obviously but that's that's what I'm saying. I think I, I think there must be some spark he's lost. I don't even know why he's bad on hardcore, honestly, because the guy why he's got such flat strokes like why is he good on clay in the first place it's like yeah, he did really well at Wimbledon making I think it was the fourth round against Nova. yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah not playing for Team World you've got a guy in Sebastian Corda that made the second week of Wimbledon and they're not playing for Team World yet Kyrgios is I mean yeah yeah oh dear okay yeah with that I think we can wrap up we've got a lot covered there guys yep so yeah, we certainly have we've got um, next week San Diego we've got Chicago on the Chicago women's side. So predictions for on last word on tennis. So uh, yeah, in any of the matches, have we read? Um, you've actually got something to to pitch this week, Gav. Yeah, tune into that. Sort of sell myself here if you want. Yeah, to. no, no. I always just say go find Gav and last word in sports, but you yeah, can actually read us somewhere on the internet somewhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can read the stuff. You don't have to listen to my groaning voice. You can actually read the stuff. <laughs> Read yeah, them, yeah, uh, which is always which is always good. It's good, good fun light read for these. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah, uh, your English degree makes your writing uh, more well, easily understandable than your voice. Degree so far. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Go, go find Gav on there, please. Go find me on jackedward.substack.com. Uh, if you like the podcast, let us know and stuff, and yeah, we'll, we'll see. Around if you uh, have any yes. We can listen to it. Or yes, that's that's it. a good idea, Gav. That would be a big help if you could do that as well, please. Uh, until next time, then. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Bye. Cheers.